winter blade breezes, twas on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. We took the bus from Bamboo's and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collinwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. It is your boy here, Elijah, and today I am joined by a special guest, Josh. Josh, do you care to just give your name? What, like, who are you? What do you do? We don't need to go into the nitty gritty because I got to do the, the promo and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. But Josh, who are you? My name is Josh, Joshua Duder, either either or. Um Big Newcastle supporter for a long time, decades worth. I've been up and down a couple of times, promotion, relegation. Um, love the love the team, and um, just found out about this podcast, and it looked like you guys had an opening. So it looks like we'll see how it <laughs> <Yeah>. goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, welcome. We're back. I mean, I know the people have missed us. We got some nice messages in the DM saying, "Hey, I'm so glad you're back. You made my day." Hey, we're back. Hopefully this time for good. I think this is going to be good. One, the biggest hurdle, Josh, Joshua and I are in the same time zone, so that helps. So that'll yes, be good. absolutely. But, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're already cooking with gas there in that regard. Um, but yes, as always, please uh, give the podcast account at CHN underscore radio a follow. And then uh, at Coming Home NUFC, the main account, give those a follow on the Twitters. Um, and again, listen to the pod, interact with the folks. The False Nines boys are dropping episodes left and right because they're excited that the Premier League is back. Um, and also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I don't really tweet that much about Newcastle because uh, I'm a big Atlanta sports fan, but you can follow me and interact with me and DM me weird things. I don't care. At <laughs> Elijah underscore Newsome. Uh, Joshua, where can the, the folks find you? It's you really, it, yeah, yeah, it's really not complicated at all. I made it as simple as possible. It's at Joshua Duder, D-U-D-E-R. Um, most, wow. most of what I, I tweet. So I'm a content creator and, um, sort of the assistant editor for protagonist soccer, where we cover non major league soccer from coast to coast. Um, so oftentimes if you see my tweets, they're about really weird teams <laughs> that you might not have ever heard of. Um, but hopefully that you will give me a follow and look into these teams. I mean, we're talking like Maryland Bobcats, right? Um, yeah. We're talking um, Hapeville, Hapeville FC, you know, like fourth division, Atlanta, Atlanta local soccer, um, PDX FC, you know, uh, third division, USL soccer. So teams like that are, are what I'm tracking um, typically. But on the weekends, um, I never fail to catch uh, Newcastle United. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I do hey. occasionally shoot my tweets out about Newcastle as well. That's good. I mean, and don't forget, you've got like your your Richmond kickers and and like, uh, like who, who else am I thinking of? Um, wow. I'm, I worked at USL, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Oh, yeah. All those teams as well. San Antonio FC. So the, the big USL boys before uh, they get swallowed up by the unfortunate – 
and get their soul sucked by it. <laughs> there are those, there are those that fight back my friend and, and, yeah. and they're the ones that have soul. So that's true. Uh, yeah, that's, that's facts. Um, so I think it's, it's, I mean, I think the folks who've been listening for a while, they, they probably know who I am and know my voice. I'm, I'm Elijah. I've, I support Newcastle. As you guys know, I've got the hot takes on the, on the Twitter accounts and all that kind of fun stuff. But Joshua, for the majority of people that are probably listening to this episode, which are like our followers, subscribers, our ride or die folks, they have no idea who you are, like why you're Newcastle fans. So just like take us through that story. Cause I, you know, yeah. I mean, the folks who listen to this know me and I love a good, how did someone become a Newcastle fan story? Yeah, I think I don't know where it came from, and, and someone will yell at the uh, they'll they'll yell at their phone or what, whatever device they're listening on. Um, but I don't think you choose your club; I think your club chooses you. I don't know where that came from. I heard it a long time ago, and I and I think that there's some truth to it. Um, long time ago, so 1982 ish. 83 maybe my, my uncle my dad's best friend um was a surfboard he was a wind surfboard designer and traveled to the northeast of england for a a wind surfing competition this is the story i was told right so he went, <laughs> right so at the time i'm six years old so i i mean i can only recite what i remember or what I chose to remember about what he told me. But long story short, he goes up there to Newcastle, brings back a t-shirt for a little six-year-old me, and it's got this cartoon crow on it. Okay, so at the time, it's a cartoon crow. Later on, I found out like, it's it's Monty Magpie. Um, yeah. But so I have this t-shirt as a child with a, with a, um, with a magpie with a top hat on. And, mm-hmm. you know, like that... By default, that becomes my team. That doesn't mean I woke up every weekend as a six, seven, eight-year-old boy watching Newcastle. In the United States, that's not happening. So fast forward to 1995, I've been playing soccer um, for years and years and years, right? So we played AYSO, PAL, whatever, like local youth organizations, parks and rec stuff. Um, and I get to my senior year in high school, my maybe my junior year in high school, and you've got Soccer Saturday, basically. So every Saturday, you're going to get basically Arsenal versus somebody, Manchester United versus somebody, or Liverpool versus somebody, right? So you're going to get a red team versus anybody else. Those That's basically what the guidelines were for you know my early access to... Yeah, by, by 94, it's the, the second or third year Premier League, right? So mm-hmm. so that's what we're getting. And there's this team that comes on one weekend, and it's this team in black and white, and I sort of like recognize the name Newcastle. I no longer have the shirt at this point, right? I've by far outgrown the shirt. but So I make that immediate connection. That's my team. That's who I'm going to root for. And Sir Les Ferdinand is like, like, Oh my God. He's like a God on the pitch. Right. I played, yeah. I played left. I, I played left full or the old school, like destroyer or a sweeper position. So I'm starting, I'm watching this guy play. Like he would be giving me nightmares and fits. And then the year, a year after that, they add, um, they bring in Alan Shear. So my first two years of supporting Newcastle are, I have Les Ferdinand and Alan Shear on the pitch, right? Just absolute, you know, and I get the entertainers like, that's my that's my first introduction to Premier League football is the enter, is the entertainers. So um, I go off to boot camp like Marine Corps boot camp, and I basically like you don't have any access to 
uh, watch these games, but you could get the scores in the newspaper. So I'm tracking my, I'm tracking my team in the newspapers. Um, and then, you know, finally, uh, you know, I think in a roundabout way, when I finally get out in 2003, I get out of the military and I think there is this moment where I switch from being a, a soccer player um, like full time, because I played more soccer than I watched football. If that makes to me, football and soccer mm-hmm. are two sides of the same coin. You here in the in the states, I play soccer, but I watch football. If that makes sense, right? right. Yeah. Um, so I end up really investing some time in watching Newcastle, and especially by two thousand three, two thousand four, way more accessible than it has ever been. And I think that's the most important thing to relate to anyone who's a new follower of the Premier League. Um, or anyone within the last few years is that accessibility of the Premier League mm. was really limited. E- you know, even though there were matches on TV every once in a while, um, getting your team specifically was difficult. But I found that by tuning into um, BBC Northeast, um, you could listen to every single game. So okay. I'm listening to every single Newcastle match on the radio. And I have been doing that since I would say at that point, since 2005 or six, I've, I've listened to every single Newcastle game on the radio. Wow. Yeah. And so that leads us to now. Right. And I have three, I have since had three kids, one, you know, two, one, two, three boys. Um, I've coached them playing soccer, um, but we watch football together and, um, they, there was a, there was a year, I don't know, it was like three or four years ago, Newcastle came to Portland on a, on a U.S. tour. And so I took, yeah. I took my, two of my boys, um, to go watch that. They were really young. So it might've been a few more years than I, than I think it is. Um, I honestly, I think that might've been the relegation season. If I'm thinking about it, I feel like we did yeah. a U.S. tour pre-relegation season. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that was that off season. Let's not do that then, again, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe never do a U.S. tour again. Do that again. I think <laughs> Sammy Amiobi might've been on the pitch that day. And so that's about, yeah. that's about when that was. Um, and by the way, yeah. that's, I think if it's, if it's not Shola Amiobi, it's Sammy Amiobi. It might be my favorite, my favorite all time Newcastle player. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. What a great story. And also I love, there's a couple things that I, I do love about it. It's just, I think today we take for granted how much access to, to football we have. Yeah. Especially in the States. I mean, in the States, you know, I've got Peacock and I mean, I, I share my Paramount plus with and my sister pays for it. And I just use it for champions league. I mean, I've got ESPN plus and you know, I've, I, I don't even know, I guess, what else is out there. But I think those are the main three. Like, if you have those three or access to those three subscription services, you have access to, you know, all of MLS. You have access to um, all Premier League. You've got championship in some cases. Uh, you've got FA Cup. You've got Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, La Liga, Bundesliga, and Serie A. I mean, and then also, I know ESPN Plus shows uh, Liga Mekki as well sometimes. I mean, it's insane how much access we have to to the game now, as opposed to even, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was just this boom that occurred. And it's been really cool. But it it also it also is fascinating hearing from folks who really had to struggle uh, to even hear like, yeah, yeah. And and follow a team and even the bigger teams like you was it was I think you and I were talking um, before and it was like you got three matches a week. That was it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all you get. This is wild. I would say, um, due to that access, 
what I found really interesting in the last few years, especially, um, Twitter has been a real boon as well. I think, yeah. uh, ESP, I think, uh, ESPN plus and pre ESPN plus used to be called ESPN three or something like that, but mm-hmm. they had always had access to the air divisie. Um, you could also occasionally catch, I think the Belgian premier league, and every yeah. once in a while, they have the Swedish league, and I can't remember for the life of me the name of it. But um, it's that Eric Klasse, I think, is that, something is that? like that. Yeah, something like that. But Ike Sonar, um, AIK, is the club yeah. where Alexander Isak had um, played his football at before he made his move to Dortmund, and then uh, eventually to Real Sociedad. Right. Well, yeah. I'm. I want to say, I recall watching him play on. E- online um yeah and i think at the time i think um gosh almighty of course i have my brain is mush i'm trying to remember his name um the big swedish guy that everyone hates but loves Zlatan? thank you for pete's sake Zlatan is 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 like the the because i think some of you may know i'm i'm 25 so zlatan's like the the thierry for for like my generation okay. like me and my friends are all very much like uh, I hate Zlatan, but like if Zlatan were at Newcastle, I'd love him. Yeah, like, it's, just, it's just very much like I hate. I hated how absurd and obnoxious he was when he came to MLS. And oh my gosh, trash talking it and all that kind of stuff. But then when he left, I was like, oh, looking back on it, it wasn't too bad. It was actually pretty cool. It's fun. He's a great guy. And then he went over and for that one season dominated, you know, Serie A. I know he's still at Milan right now, yeah. but not as dominant. But yeah, that, I feel like when you said that about Thierry Henry, I was like, that's definitely Zlatan for like me and yeah. my friends like that 25 to 30. Yeah. 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 I think I don't, I think that we were talking about TT before we started recording, but basically yeah, that conversation around mm-hmm. um, those players who are imperious enough where you're watching them play and you're like, I've, I hate that guy. Like I absolutely, yeah. but God, I want him on my team. Right. Um, yeah. So Zlatan who, because he's so good, right. You sort of just respect his opinion. And I think he gave Isak a big, big up like years ago. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, that he called him the future of a like yeah. Swedish football like yeah. Sweden's future number nine. Yeah. So it, was, we, it was a great endorsement to me, to me. Right. So this transformation that our club has had this revelation um over the last well has it only been nine months it it feels like more right but it's only been nine months of of this feeling of actually we can hang and so to you know and i know we're going to get into this maybe this gives you that 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 segue (laughs) but to to, to bring uh alexander isak on board i think of of all the signings in the last nine months um and this isn't to say that he's had the you know he's not the most impactful so far but i think long term i think he may be and i think he's a real marker i think he he really lays a marker down for what we're what we're on about now yeah i mean you could you could argue that he's akin to like our guero in the sense of like manchester city made some signings beforehand that were big name signings your your jetco the all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but the Aguero signing and how that ended up working out for the team. Again, not as much money involved for sure, different time. But if you look back on it, it's like, ah, yes, this guy was the guy that truly transformed Man City into Man City. And I, I agree. That could be Isak for Newcastle. I mean, 
it, it, I, it, the comparisons, I feel like that, that's fair. I, I could, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going on to break a lot of the, the club records for a season and goals and things yeah, like that. And, you know, and even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't break records, right. If he, yeah. if he makes everyone else around him better, which is really mm-hmm. David Silva was really, yeah. was really the silver role for, for city, right. Was yeah, fair. not fair. breaking the records, but bringing in a whole different mentality and look, Isaac would not have signed for us a year ago. Right. But he, now he's, yeah. he's brought in, he's brought into a project with promises of success and he looks at the other people that had just signed on before him and goes, okay, I can roll with this. So let's see how yeah. transformative he can be. And I, I'm not saying I don't expect him to score, but he's the kind of guy, <laughs> yeah. I think that when he gets, when he gets fully integrated into how's offense, I think um, sky's the limit. Yeah, so speaking of Isak and, and the signings, Newcastle made another signing, but I think it's it's relevant and important, especially since this pod hasn't talked about any of these. Right. Quickly, we can just kind of brush through uh, Newcastle's summer summer signing. So um, we knew how the winter went. Um, I think Bruno is another one you look back on. And for me, when we signed Bruno as a guy who's a football manager player and FIFA player, I was like, oh, okay, Newcastle – they're they're doing they're they're doing stuff that I wouldn't expect Newcastle to do. They're doing video game level uh, signings, um, but yeah, that let's 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 hop into these summer signings. So the first one was kind of an expected move that, in some 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 might say, took longer than um, it needed to was uh, bringing in Matt Target on a permanent deal uh, as uh, from from Aston Villa. Obviously, uh, Aston Villa had. Uh, targets replacements kind of already why he got pushed out in the first place mm-hmm. with Luca Digne and or Luca Dean I don't know how to say his name um you'll learn this Joshua I'm terrible with names especially Premier League <laughs> names I just make them up as we go um and brought him in on loan was immense for us uh in the second half of the season really helped sure up that back line along with Dan Byrne uh so you know obviously at the end of the season I think everyone was expecting this the day the season ended that we would announce Matt Target is joining the club permanently yeah. because it was a loan to buy. And um, it figured all you got to do is say yes. Um, there were some Lodi links uh, from Atletico Madrid that kind of, uh, you know, maybe cast doubt uh, that the, the Target signing would happen. I think there's a little bit of frustration in the beginning, but eventually Newcastle signed him uh, around the, 15.5, 16 million pound mark. Who knows with how transfer fees are set up? It's all speculation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Joshua, quick thoughts on making that that deal permanent. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up um, some of the, the, what had cast doubt at the beginning of the summer transfer period. Uh, Maddie Target has um, been fantastic and consistent. Um, he's People were concerned that he lacks pace, right? Um, but mm-hmm. what he lacks for in pace is positioning. And I will yeah. tell you, watching DeAndre Yedlin years before, Yedlin's yeah. the opposite, right? <laughs> so yes. Yedlin yeah. always had recovery speed. Um, and look, yeah. you and I may have, I don't know how long you've been watching Major League Soccer, but. Um, oh, I've been, yeah, yeah. I remember DeAndre Yedlin okay, in yeah. Seattle and just. Yeah, absolutely. How he was. He was. It's. I mean, it's similar to how Miguel Merno was at was at Atlanta United. It's Absolutely. Like, and when you're so fast, 
I mean, you're you're just that much better in a league that's like less technical. It's just exactly that's, that's, that's the truth. So Yedlin, you know, Yedlin's constantly out of position, but is able to use his pace to either get around players when he's you know when he's doing uh you know overlapping runs, or he can get into a, a good recovery position because of his pace. Uh, Matt Target yeah. doesn't doesn't um suffer being out of position and even though he lacks the same pace as maybe a, a fullback that they could have sought in the summer transfer season his ability to put in a cross i mean that is yeah. priceless especially with um with the type of uh, football that how wants to employ and he's been playing what a 4-3-3 i think every single match we played this year so far has been a 4-3-3 so um definitely yeah. you know matt getting up um, on the left flank and, and putting in a good cross is super, uh, super useful. Yeah, a four-three-three with inverted wingers. If you think about it as well, I mean, you've got, you know, Allenson Maxman's got, you know, he's great with both feet, but especially like it seems like how really wants the wingers to cut in, and um, you get the fullbacks making these overlapping runs, and they're really the ones providing the majority of the service. So yeah, it, it's invaluable to have to have someone like that who can whip in a good ball. Um, it's made quite the difference on corners. I think anyone who was watching Newcastle a year ago and watching, um, bless his heart, love him to death, Matt Ritchie swinging corner <laughs> corner kicks from that left hand side. They, they weren't even. Just... They weren't getting. They weren't even getting near post, man. They were just not. Yeah. They weren't clearing the first <laughs> so, head. So, yeah. And yeah. Again, I love Matt Ritchie too. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a secret about Matt Ritchie. I oh. I have an addiction. My addiction is FIFA. I play FIFA okay. probably at least for like at least a half hour, if not a couple hours, maybe every day. Don't tell yeah. every, don't tell anybody, but I probably do. And one of yeah. the one of the things I love to do is I love to start a career as a player, and mm-hmm. then retire that player, and mm-hmm. then become a manager with that player. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it's Welbeck, right? Sometimes it's Danny Welbeck. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's Matt Ritchie. And they're both about the same rating in FIFA. And so you get some pretty interesting offers from teams in, in the championship. But um, yeah. that's my secret. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in that same vein. Yeah, that's my, that's my secret. Uh, that's my secret with Matt, uh, Matt Ritchie. So, yeah, definitely. Love it. Target is definitely an improvement on that. Yeah. And so moving on, uh, next kind of, you could probably say, real signing in the eyes of Newcastle fans was Nick Pope. Um, on, you know, again, transfer fees or who knows, but somewhere between 10 and 12 million pounds. Either way, it's a good bit of business for a keeper who is 30 um, and is the England number two. Some might say could be the England number one. Uh, I mean, as a neutral, like, I don't care what England does. I think he's better than Pickford, but again, I'm I'm not Gareth Southgate. But yeah, Newcastle bring in a new keeper. Uh, again, this one caused a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit of confusion. First, you know, it was, I think the window started off with a little bit of like concern and confusion from Newcastle fans that has quickly been proven wrong. But with this one, everyone's like, well, Dubrovka's great. Um, why do we need to sign another keeper? And thought that it was just an, an interesting move. I don't think anyone was mad about the Nick Pope signing, but I think people were confused because it felt like okay if Newcastle were to sign a keeper maybe you get someone who's younger who can grow into that role as Dubrovka phases out but no you bring in someone who is kind of in their prime clearly going to compete with Martin Dubrovka for number one and at the end of the day uh, Martin Dubrovka, Dubrovka is no longer at Newcastle and Nick Pope is starting every match for Newcastle so uh, any thoughts on on uh, the Nick Pope signing yeah I think um 
I think that what's unique about Newcastle supporters, well, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I don't have a large test section of other supporters, but what I do know about Newcastle supporters is that they're they're dedicated, fiercely dedicated to their keeper. And mm-hmm. for me, this goes back to Shea Given, right? All the way back to yeah. Shea Given. Um, you got your days of cruel um, and this, mm-hmm. you know, with Debravka. And when a guy puts in a shift for you, um, time after, time and time again, and especially when you're, um, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say it, but especially when you've been a, such a poor team, a middling yeah. to a rel, you know, relegation fodder team as we have been for so long. Um, and I hate to say that, but it's true. Your, your keeper gets tested more often when your back line is poor, right? So yeah. the more often your keeper has to work, the more of a love affair the supporters have with that keeper. That having been said, Dubravka has been that guy for us for the last three years. We've yeah. loved him, right? And he saved our saved our backsides on more than a handful of occasions. So, 100%. right. So Nick Pope is the right move. He's the right guy. Um, I think there is some wondering: um, Did we need to because we had Dubravka? But honestly, like it's an absolute steal. Like, well, I think yeah. 13, 13 million pounds is what I saw listed for Nick Pope. And yeah. I, I dare you go fi- go find an international number one. For that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only other one is Dubrovka. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it is fascinating. I mean, uh, especially, and I would, I would go as far as, you know, international number one at a top, you know, 15 ranked team in, you know, if, by FIFA rankings or whatever. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. And I think part of the Dubrovka, um, love is is he was just this hidden gem like rafa benitez found him like seemingly out of nowhere for four million pounds and he was like you know putting up levels that were top three keeper you know statistics in the premier league so it's definitely you know and of course he wasn't without his faults i mean everyone has their faults but again i think when you have that opportunity and you're asking around and sniffing around the relegation teams and you see that that's that's the price you can get, you know, one of the better keepers in England, if not one of the best keepers in England, um, then you, you, you have to, you have to pull the trigger, especially if you have the budget to. And it's, it's, I think it's interesting because it's something that Newcastle fans are not used to. They're not used to Newcastle fans seeing smart bit of business and uh, just going for it. Even if you maybe have that position covered on paper. And I think, you know, in the past you would have seen, um, Newcastle fans complaining uh, if about the same thing. If, if say Wolf signed Nick Pope for twelve mil or thirteen mil, and Newcastle fans are like, if that's all it took for Nick Pope, why didn't we go in for him? What are you doing, Mike? Exactly. Ashley? And now we're in this position where the owners are doing exactly what we would have complained about three years ago. But hey, it's it's happening now, and so you just got to get used to it. Um, so yeah, the Nick Pope, great signing. I will. Um, I want to add one little yeah. bit about this. Um, and just it's just out of uh, out of humor. Um, I think we were linked with uh, Pickford, right? And and I think that like, and I don't know how serious those links were, but uh, I think that that um, probably the owners uh, felt the collective eye roll of being linked with Jordan Pickford. So I'm glad that they did not pursue that guy. Yeah, for sure. I don't think in it. Uh, there's, I just don't think there's any way that we sign anyone who has the stench of Sunderland on them. <laughs> I think the owners are they're very plugged in. I think they understand that. Uh, that's not how you win a fan base over. Um, uh, next one, next signing of the summer was kind of the first big statement signing to the rest of the world outside of the Bruno. The Bruno signing was massive to yeah 
in terms of establishing validity um, to the Newcastle camp, uh, their ownership, I think before they made the Bruno signing, there was a lot of like, okay, Kieran Trippier, that's all right, whatever, that's cool, makes sense, he's going to chase the check. Dan Byrne, whatever, sure up the back line, not a crazy big signing. Oh, okay, Matt Target, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Chris Wood, whatever. But then you sign a guy like Bruno, and it's like, oh, okay, this team, okay, they're they're not just trying to survive relegation. They're trying to push. Right. And the Sven Botman signing uh, was kind of the first signing for Newcastle uh, like that this summer. You're talking about a guy who was linked with AC Milan um, for the longest. It was AC Milan and Newcastle, AC Milan and Newcastle. You're talking about one of the most historic franchises not franchises i'm american one of the most historic clubs yeah <laughs> in in all of in all of football and newcastle who has their own history and their own right but ace milan is just such a large name and to poach Sven botman from Lille um was massive for newcastle and again established that sense of validity um that i think the rest of the league the rest of the footballing world needed to see it was a great signing to show up the back line. And uh, one of my favorite things about the signing is it's the first time in, like, years. And I think the Athletic had this piece. It was the first time in, like, like five or six, five, four or five years, I think, that Newcastle signed a center back. And then this is the first time we've signed a center back that's, like, under the age of, of 30. <laughs> and I think, honestly, it might be since Jamal – like, not under the age of 30. I think under the age of 25, it might be since, since Jamal sells. I think yeah. he might have been the last center back we signed under the age of 30 from a not, I'm sorry, under the age of 25 from another club. I think, you know, Fabian Chair was 27, 28 or something like that. But again, yeah, it's another it's another, you know, splash signing. Uh, Joshua, thoughts on uh, Sven? Uh, to me, Sven is um, a luxury signing. Right. So yeah. I think we if, if we were looking at all the reasons why they weren't doing how do how do I how do I look at this? Okay, so the expectation versus reality, right? So uh, yeah. if you listen to Guardian Football, if you listen to um, you, you know Talksport or who, all of these pundits, they were expecting Newcastle to absolutely splurge, and and uh, Gudusi said right up front, or and, and anyone else that's connected, Amanda Stavely had said right up front, look, we're not. That's not who we're. That's not what we're going to be. And that's re. That was reiterated by Eddie Howe. That's not. That's not what we're building. We're not going to blow money for the sake of blowing money. And I. I think that really. I think upturned the apple cart for these these pundits. Like they were like, why isn't Newcastle spending money? What's wrong? I thought they were the richest club in the world. Well, they're not the richest club in the world. And that, you know, that whole song and dance upsets me a little bit. They're they're backed by a they, they could be the richest club in the world. They're backed by a yeah. significant amount of money. But the statement all along is, hey, we're very aware, very well aware of financial fair play. We're very well aware of the problems that teams like Manchester City um, and Chelsea are facing when they spend incorrectly, when they don't take their time and they spend wisely. Um, and don't forget Manchester United, who oh. fans claim don't spend money, but yeah, again, have spent the most in the window. Um, again, regularly, it's, regularly. It's a perfect point of like, you spend a lot of money on a player, you might not work out, that could bite you in the butt. Yeah. And, 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 all of the world. and you, you get someone like Philippe Claire who regularly goes on and says, he purposefully highlights how much money Newcastle has spent. Um, and, and sort of changes the goalpost that he said they've spent the most between these specific dates without identifying how much the other teams have spent, like sort of <laughs> in a more holistic sense. Right. So, so yeah. all of that is to say 
we had defenders. Like if we were being financially responsible, if we were really making sure we were pinching the pennies um, so that we were spending on what we needed, did we need a central defender? Uh, we didn't need one, right? But but does he make us a whole lot better going going forward in the future? He he sure he becomes the anchor. Right now, we are really fortunate to have um, Shar doing as well as he's doing. Um, yeah, I was a little lost on Lascelles. Um, I love the guy. I mean, I absolutely loved him a few years ago, and I don't know what's happened. Right. Yeah. And and sometimes you watch him and you go, nothing's yeah. like nothing's changed. He's great. And then sometimes he's he's just like he's not he's not in it, and I can't figure it out. So Sven Botman, like. We we did need a, a central defender, but I think we got one probably two transfer periods earlier than we needed him, and that is the refreshing change. That in itself, identifying yeah. what we're going to need and getting it now, so that we can we can add another defender next summer and and work with what we've got as as his partner uh, for this season. Yeah, and and I, I would agree to an extent. I think. Like you said, um, I think people, and this is some, uh, when I, when we first got linked to PIF, I was just doing a ton of research and like PIF as a whole, like they're very fiscally responsible because they are, it's an investment fund. So uh, naturally footballing is not a great investment. I mean, if you look at the majority of the teams that are big teams, you know, spend a lot of money, not a lot of revenue and return on paper. There's a lot of marketing dollars and stuff like, I mean, the, you know, Manchester City has become one of the biggest brands in all of football because of how much they spent. But again, it's at what cost. So I think you're, you're spot on with like, yes, they are have a lot of financial backers, but they're also being backed by very like, like a, 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 essentially a, a, a fund that has to prove that every investment they make is worth the investment that they're mm-hmm. making, the worth the amount of money they're spending because it's all public information. So you see the types of deals that PIF does. They're, they're invested in Disney, they're invested in Twitter, they're, they're all these different, like, okay, we need to make sure that we're getting a return on all these investments. And Sven Botman felt like that for me of like, you're getting a guy who's 24, uh, who is, you know, starting to rise up the ranks in Dutch football, could be, you know, the next sort of like staple stalwart in that 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 dutch team uh, for the next generation anchoring uh-huh. down the back line like it's a good investment to make do you absolutely positively need to make the investment now like you said probably not you maybe have another year or so before you really start asking questions of your defenders like you got into some nervy situations um at the end of last season uh, where you're like, ah, man, it would be great if we had, you know, a defender that was slightly better, a defender that was more athletic than, you know, what we're seeing out there right now. But for the most part, Dan Byrne, like, solved a lot of the defensive yeah. issues yeah. in Newcastle just being so solid and so capable. So, yeah, I mean, again, I agree with you on that on that point as well. Um, and then the big one, like we briefly already talked about, Newcastle breaking their transfer record. For Alexander Isak, uh, FIFA career mode legend, as many may know, um, from the Al Sociedad. Uh, you know, good signing. I think a lot of the concerns were the goal output and all that kind of stuff early on. But I think people who had followed Alexander Isak, which again, not a lot of Newcastle fans had followed Alexander Isak for the past three or four years, like maybe some of our American counterparts counterparts have been or paid attention to, you kind of knew this guy was the truth. I mean, 
I, it's a name like Joshua said, I've heard for the last three or four years have kind of been tapped in and seeing what's going on. And many people would recognize that his goal output simply decreased because the quality of chances that he had had decreased. He was playing in a two up top system. So you got less space to operate another person that they're feeding balls into. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's, it's, so there's a number of varieties as to why, or, or factors as to why goal output last season wasn't great. But you look at the seasons prior where he's played as a lone striker, the four, two, three, one, you're like, mm, okay, this is a guy you can get, you can get behind. And he's so young and just can only get better. I think this is, this is like, a dream signing if you're a Newcastle fan. Joshua, what's uh, what's your take? He was absolutely needed, and I'll tell you why. I love Callum Wilson. I, I, yeah. I The guy is absolutely um phenomenal finisher, um, world-class mm-hmm. finisher, would be a guaranteed nailed-on England starter if he weren't out for two-thirds of the season every season. Um, yeah. that, that may extend his career. I don't know. He may end up playing until he's 40 years old just because he's missed you know, <laughs> 66% of his, his career so far. But um, it, 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 Alexander Izak is going to be um, phenomenal. I think he's going to be phenomenal for us. I was concerned just, I mean, observationally, um, he's not the most robust looking, right? So I, I just wonder about if he, if he gets, if he gets tackling a couple hard tackles by somebody like Van Dyke or, you know, it's a, a real hardened Premier League defender, uh, world-class defenders that we have in in, in this league. Um, I wonder if he's going to get hurt. But that's just me observationally looking at a guy that's tall and skinny. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't, I don't know what his work rate is um, on the training pitch. I don't know what he does in the weight room. I don't know what his, uh, he passed, he passed that physio test. He passed that medical. Um, they know what they're signing. And so I'm going to put my faith in the system and I'm going to put my faith yeah. in, in Eddie Howe um, using that, using that, um, that chess piece correctly. I will also say that we're going to have, and, and we no reason to go into this in depth. I think that we can talk about this in a few weeks. Um, when Wilson does come back, I think we're, we're at a, a real, um, you know, a real, Hmm, things that make you say, Hmm, we gotta, we gotta wonder what is, what are they going to do? Are they going to go to up top? You know, yeah. then does that reduce the output for Isaac? Or, yeah. or do they tell Wilson, we're going to play, you know, and, and Eddie Howell's got a strong personality. Does he just tell Callum, hey, we're going to play him through while he's in form. And, and when he slips out of form, we'll put you in. But, you know, and does that help Wilson stay fit longer? Does that keep him from getting hurt? I don't know. So these are things that we can we can probably mull over in a few weeks. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Uh, I'm, you're spot on there. Uh, those Those are the same, you know, same concerns I would have. Uh, especially, you know, considering, uh, you know, I think Eddie Howe has shown us that he's going to play who's in form. You know, we've seen peers where you're wondering why Joe Willock's not starting and then he has a good game off the bench. You start him and then all of a sudden Joe Willock's starting five games in a row and we haven't seen Bruno G play at all. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, so he's, he's definitely shown that he's, he's going to be that kind of guy and he's going to play who's in form, who's, who's fit, who's who's looking the best in training. Um, and so I could see that happening. I could also see him pushing Alexander Isak out wide. I think one of the first things I noticed was Isak has the tendency and, and ability, uh, first and foremost, to cut in from the inside out wide and really create a chance for himself. And that's honestly how I think Eddie Howe wants a lot of his his, his outside wingers to play. Is I've, I've noticed that that's what the plan is, is 
They want Miguel Abner to cut in and, and shoot with his left. And so I'm curious to see if that's an opportunity for Isak to potentially play out wide. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. And um, on the on the skinniness, I feel you. But I also felt the same way about Miguel Amaron. And now he just is just running all over the place, getting tackled and hopping right back up. So yeah. it could. It, I think it's just an adjustment thing. And got to remember, Isak's only 22. Um, and so he's, he's still got some growing to do as well. So who knows what he looks like in a, in a – in a couple of years. Um, and then moving on to our final signing, uh, one that was just announced actually this week um, with uh, Carl Darlow uh, injuring his ankle. Uh, I believe that was an injury, ankle injury, some ligaments. Uh, we have signed Loris Karius from formerly of Liverpool. Had a little stint in Turkey as well, et cetera, et cetera. Loris Karius on a free. Um, it's a short-term deal for now with the option, this is an interesting one, the option to be extended to the end of the season. So it's a very low-risk, uh, I wouldn't say high-reward, probably low-risk, medium-reward uh, signing for Newcastle. You kind of replace uh, Dubravka, who is a you know Premier League starter quality number two with another guy who, on paper, technically speaking, is a Premier League starting, starter quality number two as well and Karius. Uh, Joshua, any thoughts on uh, on on this free transfer? Yeah, um, you know, I don't think uh, you can afford to be too picky um, when you have emergency signings and um, you've made the decision to send um, your other keepers away. Um, I think I think the guys on, gosh, is it the Chronicles? Um, Everything is black and white podcast. Not to bring yeah. it up, but you know, I hope we're all, I hope we're all friends. Oh no, um, we, we're good with them. We've had, we've had Lee and them on the pod. Oh, before. good, good. They're, they're yeah. yeah so good and Andrew and Aaron, I think did a really good job, um, kind of dissecting this, um, the signing basically, you know, there are a lot of conditions. There are only think there are only two or three capable, um, goalkeepers on a short list of, of free signings on an emergency term It's a short term yeah. until January. And I think the hope is, um, you know, that, you know, our situation settles with our, our backup, but also, um, I'm concerned. I think my, my bigger concern is like Freddie Woodman. Is that, is, is he yeah. gone? Is he gone, gone? Was that a transfer out I, or was that a, I think that out? was a, a full transfer out or at least with the options of like, he's not in the, uh, he's not in the cards. I, I feel for, uh, for Newcastle okay. anymore. I think that was like, uh, he's kind of. He's kind of done and dusted, uh, from what I can tell. Yeah, it was a straight up uh, transfer to Preston North End. So, yeah, that's that, that's um, that's disappointing. I think so. I've got to trust the system. I've got to trust the people that are making these decisions uh, have have done you know made the right choice. But sometimes you look at an academy kid, or you look at someone who we brought on young, and they move on to another team and do really well. So I wish him all the best. Yeah, I wish that he would have been here and maybe been up to snuff for this role but i think loris loris is uh i think made a few mistakes at liverpool but i think he's here to you know um he understands his role he's a backup um he'll be utilized called upon um and useful um, but i think he's also looking at this as an opportunity maybe not to stick around newcastle which hey maybe he does do really well and i do keep him yeah but maybe i mean he was available on a free for a reason right we just went through an entire transfer period and here's this goalkeeper that no one picked that says yeah. that says something about maybe um word of mouth about his his uh you know his skill sets so hopefully he does have a chance to shine and if we don't keep him maybe somebody sees how good he is and he gets a contract somewhere else 
Yeah, and I think that that's a, that's a good point you bring up. And I think it's important to also recognize that, like, it's unfortunate, but Carrius is known for his mistake with Liverpool in the Champions League final. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of – it's unfortunate for him because, like, he really hasn't – like, he hasn't been bad after that. Like, <laughs> like he – I mean, he went out alone and he, at Union Berlin, and, I mean, it didn't crazy work out for him. But, I mean, he was at Besiktas – um, for a long time, uh, following the Liverpool sort of uh, fiasco, and he played a lot for Besiktas and played in, in you know you know European football as well. And so I think like those that one mistake is what unfortunately haunts him. Uh, were those two mistakes? I guess technically yeah. is, is what haunts him, and it's just an unfortunate thing you have to 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 roll with. So I think he's definitely looking to bounce back and prove his worth, especially because. Like you said, there's always going to be teams that are going to need him, and to prove it at the highest level means that someone out there is going to give you a chance if you're going to be somewhat capable, um, as you know, in in the studio with Newcastle. And again, me personally, I don't think Carl Darlow is a Premier League level keeper, just because from what I've seen, I feel like his ceiling has been the championship. Yeah, and it's just me using eye tests. It's like, I don't feel comfortable with Cardarlo starting Premier League games for Newcastle. I just, well, I just don't. You could watch him in that yeah. cup match, um, you know, against, who do we play? Tranmere Rovers. He played against Tranmere, yeah. right? And I yeah. mean, there were just some dodgy moments. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and to be honest with you, I was hoping um, in, in forced spending spree that they would bring him back. I was like, please, yeah. please offer a few million and bring it, you know, just, <laughs> just you know, yeah, bring, bring him, nice. bring him, quote unquote, home. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. And you know, we've just gone through some recent uh, po- uh, recent transfers for some period. But did we miss anything? Was there a position? Did you feel that there was a position not addressed? And and uh, and for, for me, I, I, I know who I wish we would have added. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious to find out if it's the same person who you might be thinking of and since it can't be that person because he signed for somebody else in the same league as us, um, are we looking in the January period to add one piece? Yeah, I think there's still like a, a another attacker is needed, and it does seem like you know a, like a James Madison or, or is still in the okay. cards uh, for for just as far as what I've seen is like that's someone that apparently the club is still interested in signing. I mean, I, I love I love Miggy. He, I mean, I'm an Atlanta United fan, so I, I love him. Um, but he has his faults. He has his flaws. I think he's this is probably one of the best versions of Miguel Amarin I've seen in the Premier League, probably since he started off with Rafa. It just feels like Eddie's worked with him, and there's a clear plan. There's he knows what to do. He's worked hard, all that kind of stuff. And I think he's content, you know, staying as long at Newcastle as long as he needs to. That being said there still is like no f- end product across that, that front three at all. I don't say maximum. It's just every so often you get something you never know. There's no consistent end product there that like creates and puts in a good ball or creates a solid chance. It's always like you need some sort of spark of magic or you're relying on like a Bruno to, to play in a crazy ball to, to make it, to put it on a platter for someone. Right. So I think that the, and another attacker is needed in some regards. Excuse me. I mean, I I'm not the. I, I would I'd be curious to see to see how a Christian Pulisic would have would have worked out at Newcastle, mm-hmm. but that you know on low, uh, very low risk, you know high reward kind of deal for Newcastle. But clearly, um, 
you know, that was not in the cards and Chelsea is doing who knows what they're doing, to be honest. Yeah. With, with, cause they, they, they signed a bunch of players and then fired their manager. So, and signed a bunch of players, their manager wanted and then fired them. Uh, so, yeah, so I think I think that's a missed opportunity. But again, I'm in that same boat of like I don't know if it is as like as much of a need as Newcastle fans may have thought it was because mm-hmm. I still do think Newcastle have a competent attack. I think if they do their jobs, they're still gonna they they could push for top ten easily, which I think you know no one's saying it, but I think that's the goal. It's like hey, let's float around that top ten, maybe push for top eight. You know, if we're in the mix for top eight, they make a big January signing to try to push them into European football, potentially. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, right now, Newcastle don't have the depth for European football. So, I think you got to hover on that top 10 spot. spot, And then, you know, as the windows come along, you reassess, you improve, and then suddenly you get to a point where, you know, you're bringing Ryan Frazier and Miguel Amarun off the bench. And that feels like a deeper team than if you start one of the two and you're bringing one off the bench and you're like, okay, nothing's really changed that much. Everything's still going through ASM. Yeah. I, I was wondering, I mean, I saw John Joe go down early with, uh, with mm-hmm. an injury, which I mean, he does from time to time as well. And what is he 30 years old, something like that. So, I mean, that's just bound to happen. Um, yeah. but I think when Bruno, um, is, is off injured with a hamstring issue and then, then I, you know, then I start to panic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now that lack of depth, I mean, do we we don't have depth for a year, let alone depth for the Premier League, you know, for Premier League. So I was just wondering and hoping for maybe a Lucas Paqueta. Um, mm-hmm. I, maybe I didn't say it right, but again, yeah, I think I got it. Lucas Paqueta. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I was like, you know, um, we I, I feel like we needed, yeah, a creative attacking midfielder, but maybe someone dynamic enough to um, play play sort of an even killed, you know, like a true center mid, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like a true, like a true eight, um, who can, who can get into, get into, uh, an offensive situation, but is kind of bossing the midfield. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, someone at the same level as Bruno. He's special, right? We, you know, yeah. Not looking to replace him because he's out for a week or two, but someone that can, um, fill in his boots when he is out or off on international duty or sub, you know, sub him in if there's a like for like scenario. So that was just something that I was just kind of, maybe it wasn't Lucas, maybe it was somebody else that could do that. Um, so, no, I mean, it's, it's a good point. I think yeah. you see like the, the best teams in the Premier League have that. How is this person on the bench feeling? And that's kind of what you want with Newcastle where it's like, you want to get to a point where, you know, if Joe Willock, pans out that'd be great but if you know bringing joe willick off the bench and starting paquetta and joe linton or maybe it's not even joe linton maybe you're bringing joe linton off the bench as like a midfield sub or he's playing in a cup match like you feel better about your depth and it's like i think tottenham feel like a completely different side when it's like you look at their bench in some in some matches and richarlson's on the bench you're like or son's on the bench <laughs> and it's like or kuliseski i can't say his name he's on the bench and it's like oh this team okay, this is different than a Tottenham in the past where they're bringing, you know, uh, Lucas Moura off the bench and you're like, okay, it's Lucas Moura. Like he had his nice little run in the Champions League a couple seasons ago, but he's not as threatening as if you're saying, oh, okay, 69th minute sub, it's Richarlson. Okay, that feels like that feels like a, a team that can push for 
top three, top four. That feels like a team that could push to make a Champions League run. And so it's all about eventually getting there for Newcastle. And I think it's, like you said, it's a slow grind. Um, you can't you can't do what, obviously, I think Nottingham Forest is, was great for Newcastle fans to see. Of like So many Newcastle fans were like, why is this guy still at the club? Why is this person? Uh-huh. We need to bring in this. We got to need across the board. It's all terrible. And then you see like Nottingham Forest and they bring in exactly what Newcastle fans wanted, which like they upgraded at every position. Literally constantly. 20, what, 23, 23 signings? Yeah, 23 and again, they lost a lot of players. So, I mean, that makes yeah, sense. There was reasons. But also reasons. like, but like it, it's just proof that bringing in 10 plus signings in a window is absolutely chaotic yeah. and just doesn't work. So you have to stick with like, all right, each window we can add, you know, four to five. And then that number shrinks the better you are. You look at Man City, it's like they brought in maybe two, maybe three players yeah. this window. And it's like, yeah, well, each one of the guys that were linked to was worth a hundred million pounds plus. And so that's essentially, you know, down the road, very far down the road. That that could be where Newcastle is. So yeah. Sweet. Um, we're gonna take a, a quick ad break, and then we'll we'll hop back into it, close things out. Uh, so we'll take an ad break. Uh, let's let's do it. Let's do it right about now. Okay, uh, we are back, um, and we're back because we have to talk about what's coming up ahead. So uh, right now, we're eleventh in the table, seven points. Um, We've got we've got some games coming up. I think it would be irresponsible us to to mention the reason we not, not to mention the reason we didn't have games this past weekend. The Queen died. Um, that happened. I'm not gonna lie, I'm American, so I really have no thoughts on on this. But people mourn how they want to mourn, and sure. so canceling the Premier League matches is what the country needed. Then by all means, there is, and I know there's debates and hot takes from everyone in the world about whether or not they should have canceled, but it happened. We've moved on. Uh, Newcastle will play this weekend. Some clubs will not, but Newcastle is not one of those clubs. Right. Um, so real quick, uh, just, is there any match so far that stuck out to you, Joshua, uh, from Newcastle perspective? You know, I, I'm going to group a few. I'm going to group a few. Uh, I'm going to yeah. group away to Brighton zero, zero draw. Okay. okay. I'm going to group in with that draw. Um, I'm going to group in away to Wolves, 1-1 one, one draw, okay? And then in that, I'm going to group in to that is the uh, home to Palace, 0-0. Uh, zero, zero. And I think all three of those, let's, let's kind of like tidy, put a tidy grouping around those three. Um, an inability to convert chances into goals. Uh, in, yeah. in those three draws, um, we get one goal. We gave up one yeah. goal. But we only got one goal in those three draws. Uh, away to Liverpool, for as much as it was touted as a great, mat, like a, a, a good performance, um, we were absolutely bossed. Like absolutely bossed um, with only 28 pos- 28% possession. Um, great debut goal by Alexander Isak. Um, we gave up two second half goals. I think we got, you, you know, so... Uh, does does the press work against us, right? So you know we we were severely outpassed, uh, six hundred twenty five passes to two hundred fifty six passes, um, severely outpossessed. Uh, you know, and and the pass accuracy as well, eighty three percent accuracy to sixty three percent. So we're getting picked off, we're getting pressed, we're getting hurried and harried off the ball. And you know this is this was regarded as a uh, as a good result. Like this was regarded as a, as a as a nice performance. Um, I think we got lucky. 
honestly, like Liverpool, Liverpool should have put more past us. And that should have been a bigger, a bigger spanking than it was. And I think had it been, uh, had we been tonked, I think we should have been tonked. And had we been, I think our eyes would have been a little bit more open um, because honestly, we've won one match so far this season. We, yeah. Right. And so it's as all these great players that we've just talked about and the turnaround and the change in attitude and the great things that War Flags is doing at home. And, um, you know, with the Newcastle, what is the foundation that they had where they collected, I think, 250,000 pounds that they were going to purchase a, a, a part of the club off Ashley? They're donating that money to charity in Newcastle. Yeah. Like there are these great things that are happening around the club. Right. Yeah but we're 11th on seven points. And I hate to point this out to you, but um, Bournemouth, AFC Bournemouth, they're also on seven points. So in, in your yeah. head, in your head, dear listener, you might not have realized that, that, that Bournemouth, you thought, well, they, they've sacked Parker, right? But if we don't win, or if we get a draw, if we get another 0-0 draw, and I've got to group that 0-0 draw with Bournemouth into those other 0-0 draws, and so for all these players that we have and all these great performances that we're putting out there, if we're not able to get three points, I think, I don't think there's pressure on how I don't, but I think something's got to change. Now he is, he's lined up on a four, three, three, every single match so far this year. If you looked at all these games that we've, that we've played so far. And I just wonder if he's got to tweak the system, but I don't know what that tweak is. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, like on one hand, I, I understand the concern, but on the other hand, it's like there is a bit of luck involved. I mean, you look at like I, mean, I don't want to be too statistically like you know like nerdy, but expected goals and stuff are, are are up. So like Newcastle are creating quality chances. It is about finishing, which is different than you know a draw in the past where it's like we've had four shots on target right. and we nicked the we got a goal. Like it, it's it's a slightly different feeling. But I think it's been a it's been a humbling experience if you've paid attention to Newcastle fans because I think it, it, it shows that there still is work to be done, one, first and foremost, but two, like there's significant difference between like, you know, the top, you know, seven, eight teams and the rest of the league. And I think the top seven, eight teams, they win the matches that, you know, you're considered an equal. If you're saying that we're competing for those like mid table finishes or or top or you know top half of the table finishes with Brighton, with Crystal Palace, with Wolves, then those are matches that like if you are to finish higher than those teams, you have to beat them. Right. And I think it, it's it's one of those where you you need to win those matches in order to secure you know top eight or even top ten. Um, you can get away, and yet you should be beating the teams that are struggling. You should be beating. Uh, Nottingham Force. That that's that's without a question. Um, and so now you're you've raised the expectation uh, this season of like you know yes two years ago we would be happy with the draw against Wolves. That's fine. But now you know you 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 hope that the improvements have been made and you know made so that this something like this doesn't happen. And you know there is again there's been a luck. There's been some VAR issues. There's been some questionable refereeing stuff conspiratorial but... issues for sure for <laughs> yeah. know, some people yeah. some people think the league's got it got it out for us man um i don't know yeah like like you know. can you like the, the palace one is probably the best example of like you look at you know newcastle from start to finish you look at the individual performances you look at the stats and it's like you know newcastle expected goals wise 
almost three, you know, 23 shots, uh, you know, bunch on target. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's like on paper, that should not have been zero, zero. And like almost all of the shots Newcastle had were inside the box as opposed to like Crystal Palace over half their shots were out, outside of the box. It was, you know, stuff that wasn't, wasn't crazy. Newcastle of their 23 shots, three were outside of the box. So it's like they were creating chances. They had quality stuff. Just the, it, they could not finish for some reason. It, who knows? I mean, it, so that one to me sticks out as like I'd group it together, but it's like it's a better performance than like the Brighton one. The Brighton draw was like that's that's disappointing. The Wolves one, that one's disappointing because the Wolves one they controlled a lot of that game and and really should not have drawn the one one. Like it should have been a win. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Palace one was a bit of unluckiness and like Newcastle have been on the like the benefactors of that in the past, and so. I can't even be too upset about it, but yeah, I think there's some questionable stuff that was uh, <laughs> that, that that's happened so far, and I'm not going to go as far as like conspiracy theory or do the tweet with all the screenshots of the stuff, but yet, yeah, the, yes, season, <laughs> but is, was, season is but a puppy, so give, give us a few months, maybe we will screen yeah. cap. <laughs> I, the, the Palace one was. Uh, the Palace one was probably the one where I was like, "All right." Oh, dude, my this, job, my job was on the floor. Bad. I was just like, my kid, my kid was like, "Are you, he looked, or Dad, are you even mad?" And I was like, "Man, I'm not even mad. I'm just yeah." Like, that's I just one of those where it's like, yeah, it's like of course, and it's like you first you score the goal, and you're like, of course, after all those quality chances, that's how he scores, like this own own goal, and yeah. then you see them review it, and you're like looking, and the commentators are all like, "Oh yeah," I mean, he's pushed into him, like. They should stand, and then for them to come back out and be like, "This is not a goal," I was just like, "You know what? Whatever. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not?" All right. So, um, so next up, like, like you already said, uh, we're going to be play- facing Bournemouth. Uh, we were supposed to face West Ham uh, over the weekend, uh, which I think that would have been another one where you—it's a team that you should be competing with, a team that is in the same you know vein of like traditionally West Ham has in the past few seasons have finished, you know, in that eight to 12 range. Like these are teams you need to be taking wins from, but now you're facing Bournemouth who I think Newcastle fans on paper would say like Newcastle have the better team. Newcastle should win. Um, Hopefully we get guys back healthy, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't know, Josh, just kind of quick thoughts is there anything we need to look out for do you have any kind of crazy predictions to throw out there yeah so i just found that it was interesting both jason tindall and eddie howard former gaffers for yeah. for bournemouth so um that's to me that's just really interesting i don't know if that i don't think that'll affect them in any way whatsoever i think that they know who cuts their paychecks but uh um like i said despite what's in your mind this match is this they're level on points so this game is actually a really big deal like a big big deal yeah so yeah. parker who um was sacked um after i think the nine nil drubbing by um by liverpool um he Which, it, it happens it yeah happens. It, it happens <laughs> i am he ran a four two three one right and so mm-hmm. uh regularly they would line up on a four two three one uh O'Neill, Gary O'Neill, who's taken over for Scott Parker, I think has gone, uh, went 4-4-2 and drew his first match and then went back to the 4-2-3-1. And I think they got a, they got a good come from behind win over Forrest. Um, you know, and I think um, what was key in that was uh, midfielder Billing. And I think what you're going to look for, Gary O'Neill is going to put Billing to work um, and, and keep your eye on, 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 on him. Um, he, I think he was essential. I think he got a goal against Forrest as well. So, uh, keep keep your eye on him, and and they may go. I think 
I think that they recognizing the talent that Newcastle has, they they may go uh, to a four two four two three one with a double pivot. So that is really shielding that back line. Um, which, on the one hand, I, I I guess I could I could see thinking in terms of protecting your back line. Well, really, what that allows Newcastle to do, who um, through all of their faults that you know I've noted, um, when they possess, they possess well. And yeah. in Newcastle, if you're going to give them the ball, if you're going to concede the high line. Um, you're going to get punished for it. Um, the, uh, Newcastle is not a counterattacking team. I don't. They're they're a possession based team, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if they can start their attacks from probably uh, from that midfield line, right? So they're gonna yeah. they're gonna they're gonna create uh, opportunities. It's just gonna feel. There's gonna be moments where it's gonna feel like Newcastle is running downhill at Bournemouth. Yeah. But what you got to watch out for is that counter. So Bournemouth is gonna look yeah. for the counter, and Billing's gonna be involved in that. Yeah, and, and I do. It, it it largely depends, and how dangerous Newcastle look. Unfortunately, it's gonna it's gonna all depend on like is Alan T. Maximin back, right. is Renault G back, and I think like you said, Newcastle are most dangerous on the counter when you have someone with a quality, and that's that's one of those weird like losing Shelby kind of sucks because it did feel like his his long balls were beginning to be much more consistent and much more threatening than they had been in the past. And so, like you, like a guy like Bruno or, or a guy like Shelby, who are launching these counters with these great balls in behind, like that's very different than like a Sean Longstaff, who yeah. just does not have that that ability, or Joe Willock, who doesn't play like that, or Joe Linton, who, who you know, he has got to switch every so often in them, but you know, he really doesn't play delicious balls. So what you see, like Newcastle have done in the past couple of of, of matches, and. I don't know if it's really worked. Is like a lot of that has fallen on like a Fabian Share or even like a Kieran Trippier from 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 the back line. So I'm curious to see. Like, I think like you said, Newcastle are, are, are most threatening if you're going to try to play a high line again against them, and then their midfield just sparks the attack. But we just haven't had that really in the last couple of matches, and so hopefully getting a guy like Bruno back allows for that to happen um and same with asm just hasn't been crazy dangerous on on the counter because a lot of our attackers just don't have that ability to start to attack and and really run with it by themselves we've seen we got and get in behind or, or make some runs we've seen ryan frazier do something similar but outside of that it just it's just not as threatening as it has been um at, at newcastle's peak and Again, there's nothing wrong with that. We kind of know these players and what they are and at what level they're at in, in this moment. But, you know, maybe Isak, after a couple weeks of training with the team, we see a, a different version of him that's a bit more um, effective in the final third. Because um, at the end of the day, that, that's that been Newcastle's issue. I mean, if we're being quite frank, the defense is held up. The midfield, despite all the changes, has been holding their own. But the, the I'd say the most disappointing part about Newcastle is like Newcastle this season has been in the final third. It just seems like we get to the final third and guys don't have the final ball on them. They're whipping in terrible balls or playing in bad through balls or they're just not finishing. And that's the most frustrating part. So unfortunately, anytime we, we lose a player uh, that contributes to the, the, the end of the attack for Newcastle, it just feels like we've lost the ability to, to play quality attacking football at times. So yeah, yeah. I would agree. I, I think that's someone to watch out for. And then um, Solanke is still a threat. Uh, still a beast. Still, still 
hammering goals, had a pretty good match against Diamond Forest as well, um, scored a goal, had an assist. And so he's mm-hmm. definitely their main kind of attacking output. Going to be, you know, someone to watch out for. But again, not super concerned. Uh, Sun Botman's held his own, I'd imagine. He's probably going to start again. Um, he's been he's been pretty solid, but there have been, at, especially against some of the, I don't want to say like mid table to low table forwards, but I think the only time I've really seen him struggle was like against like a Liverpool or or like something or a Man City when he's got to play against you know some of the best best strikers in the world. But it seems like he's been able to hold his own against uh, some of the the normal strikers per se. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you have any sort of like score prediction for Newcastle? Um. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to take a look at this. We've had that break, right? So before yeah. the match, before this match, they had the the match with West Ham postponed. So they've yeah. had they've had some extra time. Um, immediately after the match, they've got two weeks off before yeah. they have to play away to Fulham. So I say they're going to go all out. Um, it's going to be like I said. It's going to seem at times like they're running downhill at um, at Bournemouth, and uh, I, I would venture to guess. Three, three nil, three one, three one. I'll give you three one. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I, I would agree. I think, like you said, I think we're going to see an aggressive Newcastle. I think we're going to see um, a very high pressing Newcastle as well. Um, because, I, I, like I said, like you said, there's you you lay it all out there. You you go you give every last bit you have. Uh, you give one hundred and ten percent because you know. You can conserve your energy. You know, the majority of the guys, like, we don't have a lot of guys who are going to be playing internationally. Um, or, you know, if they are, it's, it's again, it's not going to be the same level of work rate um, because it's a friendly window or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be to be pretty aggressive. I think they're going to come out um, just crazy and wanting to win the ball. I think we're going to see a very aggressive press out the get-go, try to nick an early goal, try to get two goals before half and see the game out, um, you know. And I think I, I would venture to say 3-0. I just don't see uh, Bournemouth having the attacking prowess to really challenge the back line. I mean, if you look at the teams they've actually scored against, they're, they're teams that are not, you know, they don't have the best back lines. You've got your Norwich. You've got Wolves. I mean, it's not like they're, they're, they've been able to – sorry, not yeah. They haven't scored against Wolves. It's been Norwich and uh, and Nottingham Forest. So it's not like they've they've really tested a quality back line. And I would say Newcastle's back line is, is solid. They're good and yeah. they're much better than the, the back lines that that Bournemouth have scored on. So I I, I don't know. I, I think that they they won't score. And I think you know the back line's going to be desperate to get get another clean sheet. Um, and Nick Pope's Nick Pope. So I, I think that as well. Lovely, lovely. I'm looking yeah. forward to it either way, man. 3-1 or 3-0, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, a, a win, I would take it. Yes, okay, so yes, real quick, uh, we do have a couple of questions. Um, getting back into the question grind uh, to, to get to, to, you know, I don't know. That's nice. I love a good mailbag. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So only two tonight. So we'll, we'll get that we'll get that, that number up, and we'll have to start choosing uh, things as well. Uh, but the two questions we have tonight – uh, one comes from our good friend, um, Mr. Studio Worldwide, yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wait. Uh, yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo. Sorry. Don't know how I butchered this. He said, one question for y'all. Did you know how much I missed y'all? Heart, heart. So, uh, Mr. Studio Worldwide, 
Um, I did know, actually, because I'm pretty sure you DM'd me saying, what happened? Where's the pod? <laughs> so I did know, and I heard you. We, we, we have an action plan. Meet Josh. Josh, meet uh, Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Celia Worldwide. No ho, no mo. Yeah, yeah. Yo ho, no mo. Yo ho, no it's, mo. <laughs> yeah, just not anymore. Anyway, what, what, yeah, we, we've got some. We've got some fun. We got some characters good. that that pop up. Good. Um, and then uh, we've got a good friend of ours, uh, Eric Schmidt at NUFC Indiana, uh, guest on the pod before. It's actually a really interesting question. Uh, what should Hal do with Elliot Anderson? Keep giving him a few minutes at the end of matches. Start him. Load him out in January from our regular football. Now you've seen glimpses glimpses of him. What would you do? It's actually a really good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we I sort of um, prefaced the problem earlier, right? So we had John Joe out for an indetermined amount of time with an injury. Hopefully he's back sooner than later. Bruno could be back as early as this weekend. Um, yeah. I know it's the so Bruno and uh, is, is reportedly on his way back. Wilson may be a little bit longer. Um, I think there's I think there's definitely room. Um, for for that young midfielder um, to find his way into the side, I think if he's a patient, if he's a patient young man, he'll know how we'll keep bringing him in, keep bringing him in. And yeah. what how and you saw this last year with Bruno is it doesn't really matter where you come from; it matters how you perform. And if you yeah. if you're consistent as uh, in training, if you're consistent um, when you get your opportunities and and you show your your worth, um, you'll get more than ten minutes. You'll get 15, 20, 30 minutes. You'll get yeah. you'll get a start occasionally if they have to sit somebody. If they want to switch up the if they want to switch up the personnel based on who they're playing, um, I think the team could do really well since they did not bring in um, a midfielder, um, you know, um, to add to um, to the depth. Uh, I think it would be really good for uh, to hold on to them and, and give them more time and, and grow them as a, as a player. Yeah, and I think there there's 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 a couple things of note. It's like one Newcastle. It's weird to think about, but there really is no true six at the club outside of John Joe Shelby at the moment. Mm. Bruno's played as a six. He's great as a six, but I think most most people who I've talked to have are are South American football experts per se, um, and people who have watched him in France. And I, I know the Brazilians who who I know uh, who reached out to me. Uh, after this, we're like, he's so good as an eight. Like you just in an ideal world, he just plays as an eight, and like that's what you do. You just have him do that. Does a little bit of the dirty work, allows him to get forward, all that kind of stuff. With Shelby's injury, we've seen him slot into that number six role with Joel Linton and Joe Willick ahead of him, and I think that crowds up the midfield a little bit. Of like, hey, if you think about those options, then in the more kind of advanced midfielder roles, you've got Bruno, you've got Joel Linton, you've got Joe Willick. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've also now you, you throw Ellie Anderson in the mix. That being said, um, and, and, and technically Sean Longstaff is more of an eight than he is a six, but because there's no cover at that six position, like he's just having to play much deeper. And maybe that ends up being his role. Who knows? Who cares? Um, well, I mean, I guess he cares. But uh, I, I do think Elliot Anderson has been really effective out on the wing as well. And so I'm curious to see if – if uh, if he gets some more playing time out, out wide, um, because I think they're like opposite ASM. You could say ASM is a lock. Opposite ASM, I think it's it's honestly who plays best. I mean, we saw it last season when Howe came in. It was Jacob Murphy for a bit. It was yeah. Ryan Fraser. It was it was Miguel Amron. It was literally whoever's playing the best. 
and who is putting in 100%. And Miggy's gotten the nod from the start because he had an insanely good preseason. And I think he is, again, I think he's had his best season so far um, at Newcastle. But, I mean, again, there are some things that you wish, you know, you had a little bit more, you know, dynamic ability from Miggy. He's not really beating a lot of guys off the dribble. Um, and, you know, of course, he's still super reliant on his left foot. So I think maybe giving Elliot Anderson a shot out there, someone who seems to be pretty comfortable with both feet, still has a little bit of pace, clearly is going to work hard. I think he could honestly slot, find himself starting out wide um, before I think he starts hmm. in the middle of the pitch. That's a shout out. Yeah, it's it's just it's just an interesting predicament, and the, I think the only way he ends up in the middle is honestly if Joe Will continues to stink it up to the point where it's like, all right, like we got we got, we got to give someone else a shot, and which is possible because Joe Willock has not been um, great to start the season, to put it lightly. Um, so I mean, I think it's it's he he I think you keep him around because it seems like he has the ability to play in the midfield as well as out wide, uh, and I think he is doing like a lot of growth and development in the squad so far. And so if he doesn't make a crazy leap by the end of the year and it's like, okay, he's clearly going to be a starter. I think that's where you start to see Newcastle turn into their Chelsea loan army and loan him out into a team in the championship until they feel he's made another jump. But for the time being, I think you keep him around, you let him contend. And like you said, Eddie Howe is going to play who's in form, who's working the hardest, who's, who's impressing in training. That's the 11 he's going to put out. And they're like, you cannot have an ego at the club. And I think that it's, it's proven in the fact that your club captain is the, the, the fourth choice center back right now. And everyone is seemingly okay with that. So I think Elliot knows the culture that, that he's in. And I think Eddie Howe's going to give him the opportunity to shine. Like you said, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. It's already starting to happen. Um, his, he's coming off the bench earlier. Yeah. So that's it for questions. Um, Josh, that's all the time we have for today. Oh, man, it's been a blast. Like, I'm already thinking, I'm like buzzing, man. I'm like already thinking about what we could talk about next week. So I know I know, oh, yeah. we'll talk about the match, um, but maybe we'll put together a few uh, interesting uh, side topics as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. But, yes, that that is, uh, that is that's that's it. I'm Elijah. That's Josh. This has been another episode of CHN Radio. Um, the best damn podcast in the land, if you ask me. Um, have a great rest of your day, and uh, we love you guys. If I make a few quick bob, it's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side, looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park. If the Gallagher tend to the rain, I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wing I'll walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away 